Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. John chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Heavenly Father, Help us as we look into this passage to understand Jesus' claim. He is the door. He is the gate. He is the only way we must enter through him to be in your kingdom and to inherit eternal life. And it cost Jesus dearly as he went to the cross to lay down his life for us. I pray that you would draw us to him, that we would have the, the, the wonderful sense that belonging to Jesus leads us to life in its fullest. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. When you first heard that we were going to have a series on the I Am statements of Jesus... Did you think, oh, I'm looking forward to that because those are just wonderful, positive statements. I'm the bread of life, the light of the world, the door of the good shepherd, the resurrection of the life, the way, the truth of the life, the vine, all these affirmations. I just look forward to it. It, it, Just to be drawn to Jesus, the, the, the wonderful bread who satisfies, the light of the world who helps us see. But when you look at the context in the scriptures, these are not feel good passages. These are confrontational passages. It's not a hallmark greeting card saying, Oh, how nice I am to you. Jesus is facing down the Pharisees. Let's look at the setup here. You can read the whole Gospel of John. Read it in one sitting and you'll see how contentious it is between Jesus and the Pharisees. But let me just read a few select verses going back to chapter 5, verse 16. So... Because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. In chapter 7, verse 1, after this, Jesus went around in Galilee, purposely staying away from Judea, because the Jews there were waiting to take his life. Verse 32, the Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. 
verse 45 and following. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards declared. You mean he has deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted? Has any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? Isn't that interesting? They're appealing that for their case. And when we read it, as they're talking about Jesus, God the Son, has any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? No! But this mob knows nothing of the law. There is a curse on them. Now one among them had a conscience about it. Nicodemus had gone to Jesus. I mean, you heard, has any believed in him? Nicodemus tried to speak up a little bit. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier, and who was one of their own number, asked, Does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he is doing? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Look into it, and you'll find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. This is a culture in conflict, like ours is a culture in conflict. Over different issues, yes, in in specifics. But fundamentally, there's a conflict between us wanting to do what we want to do and us acknowledging God has revealed himself to us through Jesus Christ and surrendering to him. That's the ultimate conflict. And that's the same conflict today as it was in Jesus' day. And when Nicodemus halfway raised his hand, he didn't say, I believe in him. He just said, Will we condemn him without hearing his case? They shouted him down. But we catch a lot of that sense in our culture. How timid are we about speaking up? This is a part of why I thought, no, let's be a little more direct in speaking up before we go into the voting booth on Sunday. Because it is our role to speak to the Christian conscience, to inform it with Scripture. And let's be a a little more courageous in that. Not fuss budgets to the world all the time. We're to love our enemies. But to be clear and not cowardly. In this context, Jesus said in verse 12 of chapter 8, Jesus spoke again to the people. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This was Marty's passage uh, last week. I am the light of the world. The context for that, though, was in the face of the Pharisees who had shut their eyes and who were walking in darkness. Jesus did a miracle uh, healing a man who was born blind and enabling him to see. And the Pharisees came to that man in an accusatory way and said, Who did this? And he said, I don't know. All I know is I once was blind. Now I see. And and Jesus finally finds him. In chapter 9, verse 35 Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. This is the passage that leads up to our primary text today. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. Think about how profound that is. The one who was born blind and now can see is actually physically looking at the Son of God incarnate. But he's looking more than just with his physical eyes. He says, you now have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world 
so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him, see the paparazzi always followed Jesus around. These conversations weren't happening in private. The Pharisees were listening to what Jesus was saying. And when he said, for judgment I've come into the world, the Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what? Are we blind too? Well, yeah. That's the point. They don't see it yet. Jesus said, if you were blind, I mean, if you really were blind, if you had no clue, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. These were pretenders to know the will of God, who taught the law of God, who showed the way of God to the people of God. And Jesus said, with that claim to be able to see, you are guilty for rejecting the one that is sent from the Father, even me. That's the context of our passage. He is facing down the Pharisees. And he says, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. You see how that went down right at the start. They knew that somehow he was addressing them as the ones who wouldn't enter the gate. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. But when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's face. Now, this is a parable. John uses the word, a different word than parable, that means figure of speech, a saying, a story, an illustration. And it's interesting to me that after Jesus uses this illustration, since we've studied, we know the context, we can see what's coming later, you you kind of got the gist of what this story means as I read it, uh, didn't you? uh, Jesus is the gate. We have to go through him to get Uh, to the Father. That's where forgiveness of sins is found. That's where righteousness is is found. That's where the gift of faith is. And we're justified before God. We, We know that. He's the gate. Those who would pretend to be teachers of God's will, God's law, God's way, who don't go through the gate, who don't go through Jesus, who go in some other way, are thieves and robbers. We we know the elements of the of the illustration. And the sheep are the people of God, the ones who truly know God. They will listen to Jesus. With the implication there is the Pharisees who are not listening to Jesus, who don't recognize his voice, they're not really the sheep of God's fold. We get all that, but I take strange comfort as a preacher to realize that Jesus, who is the, the great teacher, after he gave this great illustration, it said, Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. So the Pharisees were going, say what? What, What's he talking about? Their eyes were so shut, their minds were so closed. And I tell you what, the reason you don't understand my illustrations is because of the fault of the storyteller. I get that. But we as listeners to the word of God, if you ever read it and say, I don't get that. I don't see that. 
That's on us, and we need to pray, oh, Lord, open our eyes that we may see it. They said, say what? And so Jesus explains it. He explains it clearly. He says, I tell you the truth. Truly, truly, I say to you. The Greek is amen, amen. That's what amen means. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He says it twice and then applies it first with the negative rebuke and then the second time with the positive promise. I am the gate. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers. Now that doesn't mean in time. Because that would include John the Baptist came before Jesus to prepare his way. Moses, Elijah, Elisha, the prophets of the Old Testament, they were all pointing forward to Jesus about how God would provide for his people, for their redemption, for their deliverance, for their forgiveness of sins. They were prophesying for Jesus. So what does it mean, all who ever came before me? He's referring to the Pharisees, and it's in the sense of the commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. That doesn't mean we can worship God first and then go worship the other gods. Don't worship other gods first and then come to God. Worship God first and then go to other gods. It's not a time thing. It's uh, God is always God. Don't put another God in my presence, in my place. Don't put them in priority to me. Don't worship any other God ever. So when Jesus says, all who came before me, it's all who would usurp my place. All who would take my place. All who would lead you away. You're thieves and robbers. He's saying, that's what you Pharisees are doing. You are presuming to speak for God. To lead God's people to reject me. Now you might think that this is confined to this place. But the visible church today is wide and broad and presents almost anything you want to believe. We need to recognize that Jesus is the door. He's the gate. The the Greek word for door applied to an outside wall is what we would call the gate. So I'm the door, I'm the gate. It's the same thing. And the point is that there's only one way to enter, and that is through Christ. Don't listen to the pretenders who pretend to teach the people of God God's way if they would lead you away from Christ himself. That's the application Jesus is making. He takes the the parts of the parable, the door, the gate, and that's Jesus. The sheep are God's people, and the ones who are really God's people will hear his voice. And come to him. It's not because we are smarter than the average bear. We just in the inquirers class covered the issue of predestination. They started on it uh, this morning. And the whole point that our salvation is by God's grace through faith. And our faith is the gift of God. It's, It's not because we were smarter than our neighbor that we received Christ. It's that We who were dead in our trespasses and sins have been changed and made alive to come to Christ. And that's the gift of God. So don't 
take this as an arrogance. That, oh, we're the sheep. We hear Jesus. That means we're better than you. It's, oh God, we were out there. And we were running from you. Praise you. Whether we were four years old or 40 years old or 84 years old. That you touched my heart and made me alive. Gave me faith so that I wanted to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ. His sheep will hear his voice and come to him. Second time he says it, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He hasn't yet gone to the cross. Maybe there people are wondering, how is that going to happen? Is it going to be a political rescue from Rome? Is it going to be an earthly kingdom? They don't know yet, but we do. We know that what Jesus did was go to the cross, pay for sins, rise from the dead to break the power of sin and death, to give us the glories of heaven so that all who believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We know it. And do we become numb to it so we go out and then live for ourselves in the world instead of listen to his voice and follow him? His sheep will hear his voice and he will come in. The, the, one, the one who comes through Jesus will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. That just takes me back to the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. If we just stopped there... We would think, oh, it's wonderful to belong to Jesus, to follow him. Life is just going to be green pastures. Green pastures is the place to be. Farm living. You remember that one? Yeah, life for me. We want green pastures. We want smooth waters. And we can think Jesus is saying and reminding us of the 23rd Psalm. That he will take care of us. He just watch over us and everything will be nice and easy. But the 23rd Psalm doesn't stop there, does it? It goes on. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup overfloweth. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I fall back into the King James English that I memorized when I was a kid. I actually love the fact that we're not the first generation to believe and understand these things, that we joined the centuries of, of Christians that have gone before us. And so with that second half of the 23rd Psalm reminds us that there are valleys of the shadow of death. There are enemies in whose presence He prepares a table for us. We're not exempt from the problems of a fallen world. We can make them worse by adding to our own sin, but we can't avoid them. It's much better if someone hurts you that you know the grace of forgiveness, that you forgive them as God in Christ forgave you, than it is for you to become bitter and resentful and angry and hurtful. That can make your life a whole lot worse. It's green pastures to know how to be free from those who would hurt you because you know the grace that God has given you to forgive them. And that applies to all sorts of areas of life. But we still face 
the disasters, the diseases, the rejections, the hurts that happen, just as Jesus did. The full life, the abundant life that's in that is, for thou art with me. You're my shepherd. Your rod and your staff comfort me. We trust in God, and he takes us on to glory. Whatever the valley is here. There's actually a valley uh, in traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho and down to the Dead Sea. There's a valley that you walk down and you see the crevices in the cliffs where the thieves could hide. It was a place for ambush around every turn. It was a scary journey. So people would do it in bigger groups or with, with soldiers. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Death itself is the biggest scary thing. I will fear no evil. Jesus goes on to say, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The Pharisees could object right there and say, we don't kill, we don't steal, we don't destroy. What they were doing was they were saying, kill Christ. They don't kill? Hmm. They were saying, he's not the way, follow us. And they would lead God's people to a self-righteousness that would never be sufficient on Judgment Day. And they were actually leading people to eternal death and destruction. It's actually truer than you think. Jesus was not being hyperbolic here. The Pharisees wouldn't see it. So the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I don't know how the thief coming over the sheep pen uh, would, would steal a sheep. Probably the thief that would come over the wall would not take that wiggly, bleeding, noisy sheep and try to carry it back over the wall. Probably the thief would come in, kill it, throw it over the wall, take it out and have dinner. That's, they literally came in to, to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have, they may have life and have it to the full. Have it abundantly. Live life to the fullest. This was a verse that when I was a, a young teenager caught my attention because I realized the way I was headed was not developing well inwardly. And I heard the call of Christ. And I believed that this is the path to the full life. And I might have been naive at that time thinking, if you just follow Christ, then he'll answer your prayers and you'll overcome all your problems and everything will be green pastures. And I had to learn along the way that that's not the case. But I've never lost sight. And I would call you never to lose sight that even though there are valleys of the shadows of death, even though there are enemies in whose presence you may find yourself, even so, to follow Christ is to find the fullest life. For he's with you in those times. And we can't hang on to this life anyway. The glory that's ahead is what counts the most. And the purpose and the joy and the fullness that happens in our lives today cannot be taken away. If we know Christ and the hope that is ours in him. 
If you are one with one foot in, one foot out, it's because you think, I want to be right with God. I want to to be a Christian. I want to belong to Christ. I want my sins to be forgiven. But I'm not convinced that it's the happiest way because I need this too. I need that. And so I'll, I'll take care of my happiness over here and I'll take care of my eternal security over here and I get the best of both worlds. You know what? We're all like that to some degree because all of us wake up every day with our old nature. Every single one of us. But it's when we focus on Jesus saying, I am the door. I'm the gate. Enter by me. I will lead you in and out. I will take you to green pastures. I will watch over you in times of difficulties that we put both feet in with him and say, Lord, I am yours and your will be done. And there's a peace and a joy and a fullness that comes from that. that it, just, it can hardly be described, but it's what we have to share with those who need Christ. Say, this is what Jesus has done for me. Let me share it with you so that you could come to know him as well. Don't listen to the false teachers. Don't listen to the ones that would point away from Christ. Don't listen to the world that is like the, the Greek sirens that tempt you away onto the, the rocks and the shoals to wreck your ship. Listen to the Lord Jesus and he will lead you to life. Next week we're going to look at the second application of this same parable when Jesus says he's the good shepherd and he lays down his life for his sheep. We have a foretaste of it this week as we take to ourselves the the Lord's Supper and realize what it cost Jesus to be the way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be at work in us, that we would realize our Savior is our hero, is our champion, is our friend, is our comfort, is our hope, is our joy, so that we are all in with him. And whatever the circumstances he brings into our lives, the good and the bad, we belong to him and we have our shepherd of our souls. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.